it's another big week in the NFL for the New Orleans Saints. This is the Saints Wire podcast, powered by USA Today Sports. Here's your host, Ryan O'Leary and Saints Wire editor, John Siegler. You know, I was looking for him to score, but in the back of my mind, I'm like, all right, <laughs> this might be my chance. And Sean was like, go. So, um, you know, I just told the whole line, I was like, get me in there, let's get it. And we were able to get it. You know, we, we had the celebration planned out, man. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a great moment. You know, I wouldn't want to do it with another group. Well, John, doesn't get much sweeter than that, does it? Six touchdowns on Christmas Day for Alvin Kamara. A national audience just got to see how good that guy is for the Saints, how great of a player he is. And uh, that was pretty fun. Kamara actually talked about during the presser that his running backs coach went and actually looked up what the record was. They knew he had five touchdowns, and that was Kamara talking about getting number six. That was just pretty sweet, man. It doesn't get much better than that, does it? No, it really doesn't. And it was just just incredible to see uh, the Saints unleash the Kamara this week. I mean, this is what fans have been asking for for so long, for Sean Payton to kind of swallow his pride a little bit as a pass-first uh, play caller and go out and just lean on the run game. I mean, we, we, when you've got your backup left tackle playing left, starting at left guard and James Hurst, and he's flexing on the sidelines because he's doing such a great job clearing out these, these running lanes for Kamara yeah. to score six touchdowns, you know that things are going well. You're, things are going according to plan. They're going. They're, they're following the game script you went into this, this matchup with. I don't know that you could ask for a much better performance from the Saints offense. Except for maybe some, some of the play, some of the throws from Drew Brees, maybe weren't completely on point. But I mean, without Michael Thomas, without Deontay Harris, without gosh, just all the losses the Saints have taken on offense with injuries this year, I don't know that you could ask for much more. And Alvin Kamara gave everything that we wanted to see. Uh, my favorite stat from this game, not just the fact that he tied a record that is more than 90, 90 years old, uh, the <laughs> fact insane. that Alvin Kamara is the fact that Alvin Kamara now has the second most touchdowns scored by a Saints skills position player in team history. Uh, he was 50, he's at 59. He's trailing the great forever underrated, somehow never made a Pro Bowl, Marcus Colson at number one with 72. So AK is on the path to taking, taking that lead, being the Saints' all-time leader in touchdowns scored uh, before his 26th, 27th birthday. That's just incredible. And this game really showed everybody what AK does and why he is so special. Yeah, I was going to say, it's not like he's been around that long either, right, John? And I thought you are going to go with a different stat. I love that stat, though. That one's awesome, too. But his 16 rushing scores, more than 19 teams in the NFL this season. I saw that on Saints Wire, and I thought that was uh, that was insane, too, right? And then, But what was crazy is I thought AK got robbed. I thought he could have scored at least eight touchdowns in this game, right? There was one play where he could have had a receiving one. Breeze just missed him on that, uh, on that play near the goal line in the first quarter. It was a passing play, and then, you know, our guy Taysom Hill had to vulture, to use a fantasy football term, Hill had to vulture one score there from the goal line. And you know, Kamara's probably yeah. given uh, Sean Payton the side eye. He won't admit it because he said he was happy for Taysom, but you know he's giving Coach the side eye. Like, Coach, what are you doing to me, man? Oh, a little bit. A little bit. And the first and the first guy that Taysom talked to after scoring that run was AK. He walked over, he apologized for it. And <laughs> the, 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 the two uh, bro hugged it out a bit, celebrated each other for a moment, and then they went out and scored four more touchdowns. So it, it worked out in the end. but No you know, doubt. It, we, we had the opportunity to set a record, but it, it's okay to tie one that's been around as long as it has. 
The Saints get to clinch another NFC South title. We get to see another, uh, you know, viral social media video of Sean Payton doing his dances in the locker room. You know, I always, I'm starting to enjoy yeah, those, with, John. With a mask this time. Yes, yes. Unlike the Pittsburgh Steelers, uh, he did have a mask on. <laughs> true, time, true so. that, man, true that. So uh, I'm starting to enjoy those Sean Payton dances. Hopefully they're not finished yet. And, uh, you know, the next one could come if the Saints could clinch the number one seed in the first round by. And that is still not necessarily over, right? I mean, I think we we felt like, you know, the Titans could give us a hand there. The Titans beating Green Bay would have definitely helped. That didn't happen. But the Saints are still mathematically alive. Now, we use the word mathematically alive, right? That usually means you have no shot in hell when we use that term, mathematically alive. But basically what the Saints need to hit here, and correct me if I'm wrong, but they basically need to hit a three-team parlay, right? They need to beat the Panthers, so they're part of the parlay. Then they need the Bears to beat the Packers and the Seahawks to beat the 49ers. That's all you need is a three-team parlay, and you're the number one seed. Yeah, and you know, guys, hit them, hit them those three, four, five-team parlays every week. No doubt. Um, so it, 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 it's very possible. I mean, we, we do have to couch this by saying it's mathematically possible, not that it's likely or whatever, but, I mean, it's not like it, it's a Rube Goldberg machine where we need – 50,000 things to break our way for, for it to happen. So the, the Saints have a shot. The, the NFL schedule makers have kind of forced the Saints to acknowledge that they have, have a shot by uh, flexing this game with the Panthers in Week 17. The Saints are going to kick off at the same time in Charlotte as the Packers are going to kick off in Chicago and as the Seahawks are going to kick off against the 49ers. I love it. So all three of those games are going on at the same time. Everybody has to play. Everybody has some skin in the game here. Um, we're not going to see any of these teams resting their starters or giving a half, uh, a half-hearted effort or anything like this. So th- everybody has something to play for. And considering how long the season is, how long it's how much longer it's going to be in future years. Uh, I think that's something that we can all appreciate. Oh, no. Two storylines that we're going to be focusing in on in week 17 is the number one seed in the NFC and the NFC East champion, right? These are the two big storylines going into Week 17. The NFL is doing everything they can, John, to manipulate that schedule and make it interesting for us. And I'm all for it. I'm here for it. Give me anything in Week 17 to be excited about, and I'm here for it. So I just want to – so we talk about it mathematically alive and the odds. What are the odds? Well, I have a little sports betting app, so I went on there and just checked out this parlay. Why not? Let's let's type in Saints, Bears, Seahawks and see what it is. So basically the odds of this parlay hitting, John, are plus 487, meaning – a $50 wager on the parlay would pay back $293.26. So turning $50 into almost $300, that's a nice little wager. So anyone out there who might want to bet this parlay root for the Saints, you might get a number one seed and a little chunk of change there as well. Basically what it equates to, for comparison's sake, is the Bengals are an 11.5 point underdog to the Ravens, and their money line odds are around plus 475. So... If you need something to compare it to, the Saints hitting this three-team parlay is about as good a odds as the Bengals upsetting the Ravens at home this week. Can't love the Bengals' chances too much, right? And I think what, what it's all hinging on is the freaking Bears, right? The Bears are going to have to beat Green Bay for this to happen. And the Bears never beat Green Bay. And In fact, they've only beaten Green Bay, John, four times in the last decade. Green Bay has won 17 of the last 21. The the most overrated rivalry in the NFL today. The the Saints and the Vikings have a better rivalry than the Bears and the Packers over the last decade. Let's get real. Yeah, seriously. So uh, we're going to need the Bears to somehow beat the Packers, and I don't think any Bears fan out there thinks this is going to happen. So uh, the odds are long, but they're not done. That's what we got to hold on to, right? Absolutely. And, you know, the the Bears, I'm sure they'll give a good effort. You've got all these anonymous uh, general managers uh, who are competing with the Bears, uh, talking up how well Mitchell Trubisky has played the last played the last few weeks, saying Chicago needs to pay him in the offseason. 
Um, as as someone who covers a, another team that has beaten the Bears a lot in recent years, I would love to see Trubisky um, kind of backdoor his way into the playoffs here, lose a game that may not be his fault. You know, maybe the Saints run all, run all over his, his defense again, but this time with their top three receivers. And, and see the Bears uh, get, get in some of that Deshaun Watson money. I mean, who, who amongst us would not like see Trubisky uh, draw, drawing in $40 million a year for Chicago over the next few years. What, what, could, what could go wrong with that play? Yeah, well, seriously, if Jared Goff can get $110 million guaranteed, I'm here for uh, I'm here for Trubisky getting it as well, John. <laughs> so that's where I'm at. So, uh, so much to get to with this game. The Saints hang 52 on – wasn't Mike Zimmer supposed to be a defensive guru or something? So the Saints hang 52 on Zimmer and his defense. Uh, they're right there. Yeah, that, 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 that's the most points the Vikings have given up since, like, 1963, I think. <laughs> yeah, there's so many stats uh, it, from this it, game. It, it, it's been it, wild. Yeah, yeah. The Saints, uh, they exercised a lot of demons here. Um, you know, I, I was joking about their rivalry with the Vikings being one, one of the NFL's best, but I think the Vikings may be their biggest intra-conference rival. Um, if you just look back at the history here, not, not just the Minneapolis Miracle, not just the 2009 NFC Championship game. I mean, go all the way back to the Saints' very first playoff game was a loss to the Vikings. So there are Saints fans who have just been hounded by the Purple People Eaters their entire lives. And it was great to lay this wall thing on them. Um, it was great to uh, end their season uh, because the Vikings are now eliminated from mm-hmm. playoff contention. Um, it, it was great to see. It, it was fun. It was entertaining. It was exactly what you want to see on such a big holiday. Yeah, good eating for Saints fans. There's no doubt about it. So they hang 52 on the Vikings. They did have a, a tough injury on defense, which I want to get John's take on. And the Saints, right before the game, made some moves, and they added a wide receiver that Sean Payton has talked about as well. So we could, so maybe some help is on the way. I don't know if this is going to be a huge contributor, but a depth piece. So we could talk about that as well. We'll do that all coming up next. Fantasy football is about proving that you are better than your friends. Sit up, start up. These are the fantasy picks of the week. It will kill me if this game ends in a tie. I need this win. This game's pretty much done. With Corey Bonini from thehuddle.com. Corey Benini of TheHuddle.com here to talk to you about strong plays for week 17 of the fantasy football season. This week, I'm not crazy about any of the quarterback plays. I usually recommend fringe options rather than the obvious, and none of the guys jump out as somebody I'm really willing to get behind. So instead, you'll get a two-pack of wide receivers this week. Green Bay Packers running back A.J. Dillon at the Chicago Bears. May seem like a no-brainer after he ripped off 124 yards and two scores in week 16, but the Boston College rookie could have a bigger workload again this week. Running back Jamal Williams had a quadriceps injury, he was out last week. And it really doesn't make a lot of sense to rush him, especially if they want him back for the playoff push. The big body Dylan is an ideal asset in cold weather in late season football. And starting running back Aaron Jones is banged up as well. Chicago has given up four rushing touchdowns in the last five games. Indianapolis Colts wide receiver Zach Pascal. In consecutive games, Pascal has had at least 64 yards and one or more touchdowns. He has six targets apiece in those games. The resurgence of wide receiver T.Y. Hilton has helped tremendously. Something else that will help? Facing the Jacksonville Jaguars. It's more or less a modern miracle that the Chicago Bears didn't find the end zone last week. In the prior six games, wide receivers have scored nine times through the air and nine different times a wide receiver has produced at least 15.8 PPR points in that window. Washington football team wide receiver Terry McLaurin is looking unlikely to play again, which would thrust wide receiver Cam Sims into a prominent role. With all the chips at stake, it's hard to imagine Riverboat Ron Rivera wouldn't gamble on seeing what he has in Alex Smith even if he's less than 100%, considering Taylor Heineke is the only other option. Philadelphia has been atrocious against wide receivers 
Rangers in 2020, and the position has racked up five performance of at least 121 yards in the last six outings. Nine touchdowns later, Philadelphia gives Sims a favorable opponent for utilizing his six foot five frame. Kansas City Chiefs tight end Nick Kaiser against the Los Angeles Chargers. The Chiefs are going to rest all of their prominent starters, which means tight end Travis Kelsey won't play much, if at all. That leaves Kaiser to exploit a tremendous matchup. Five players have at least 11.2 PPR points in the last nine games against the Chargers, and six of the ten touchdowns allowed have come in the past nine games. For more award-winning content from TheHuddle.com, be sure to check out the website throughout the offseason as we get you prepared for Fantasy Football 2021. So, John, a player who was looking like he was going to be one of the biggest trade or acquisitions that any team across the league made, Quan Alexander, the linebacker for the Saints, who's playing really well for him. And it looks like he's now lost for the remainder of the season, right, with an Achilles injury. That's a tough blow, right, for the defense. First of all, I want to get your take on what Alexander brought to the defense since he got here and what you think it, it means for that unit going forward without him. Man, it's, it's a, it is a big loss. The Saints made a, a big effort to trade for Quan Alexander there at the deadline. Um, they brought him in for good reasons, and those are his athleticism, his experience, his playmaking ability. I mean, he, he dropped probably three or four intercep- interceptions uh, this season, which isn't a negative. Like, yeah, you, you wanted to finish those plays, but the fact that he was in position, the fact that he correctly diagnosed the play, had the athleticism, had the wheels get over there and get his hands on the ball, uh, that, that really speaks for how effective he, he was. And replacing him is going to be tough. Uh, the guy who's going to get the nod is Alex Anzalone, uh, the fourth-year pro who, who has a lengthy injury history himself. You know, you, you hope that he can stay healthy th- th- for this playoff series, however long it, is, it ends up being. But the reason the Saints brought Alexander in was because Anzalone was not playing up to par. He was making he was misreading too often in, in run defense. He was too slow to react and pass coverage. Um, he, he just didn't really have have what they were looking for at that, at that second linebacker spot in their nickel defense next to Demario Davis. That's going to be a weakness. That's a liability. We're going to see him targeted uh, here here on passing downs down the stretch, possibly in the run game too. We got Big Malcolm Brown coming back at nose tackle. We've got all of those big guys up front, and teams are going to make an effort to go after forty seven now that fifty eight is out of the picture. The Saints also add some wide receiver help. Now, I don't know much about this guy, John. I was reading about him just earlier today on the Saints Wire, to be honest. Jake Kumarau, off the Bills practice squad. He's a former Division Three player. He played his college football at Wisconsin Whitewater. Can't say I've ever heard of that university. I didn't know they played football over there, John, but they do. So he's a guy that actually played for the Bills this past week, right? He was out there. He was active. And the Saints are able to scoop up this wide receiver and add him to the mix. I know Traquan Smith gets added to the injured reserve, joins Michael Thomas, and their rash of injuries at that position. Obviously, that's been a storyline here the last few weeks, the Saints trying to figure it out. Drew Brees coming back, but really not having any weapons to throw to. What do you think about this kid joining the team? What kind of role could he have? Sean Payton actually talked about him like he could have a little bit of a role. Yeah, he's an interesting player. Um, he, he was playing well for the Bills on limited action. I think he'll add some, add some depth to the receiving core. Uh, he, he gives the Saints an opportunity to where they don't have to call up three guys from the practice squad to fill in on, on game day. Uh, just having another healthy body, another NFL-caliber athlete on, on the top of the depth chart, that, that, that helps. That's going to help the Saints get through this Week 17 game with the Panthers. It's going to give them some more veteran depth when they get to the, to the postseason. Uh, we know Michael Thomas is on his way back. We're hoping Deontay Harris is on his way back. But isn't he, at any rate, having someone like Kubro in there 
who opposed who opposed they don't have a lot of game tape on. Uh, that, that, that's going to help us going to get the Saints some kind of an advantage. I don't know that it's going to win any games for them, but it's going to help make things maybe run a little more smooth, more smoothly on offense. Now I've got to say, uh, Jake Kumaro, he's not a total unknown. Uh, some fans, some Saints fans, I'm sure are going to love hearing this. He, he played, as he said, at Wisconsin Whitewater Division Three College. He was a college rival of Saints legend, tight end, converted to wide receiver Dan Arnold. Uh, the, the, one of the legends who dropped touchdown passes in the 2018 NFC Championship game the Saints should have won. These two guys went at it in college. Uh, they, they were big-time rivals between a Wisconsin Platteville or Wisconsin Whitewater. So, Gumro, he has some hides on the wall. Uh, he, he, he's... He's been he's been there before. Um, he's played against NFL caliber athletes uh, before. Clearly, um, we'll, we'll see what he's got. Uh, if nothing else, hopefully he keeps guys like Austin Carr and Hamilton Lewis on the practice squad uh, come game day. And speaking of that wide receiver unit being hampered and other guys getting opportunity. We've got to look at undrafted rookie Marquez Callaway, right? Uh, Alvin Kamara actually talked about him a little bit in his presser, talked about his blocking. Callaway was actually targeted four times by Drew Brees. That was the second most targets of, of any of the wide receivers in the game. He caught three balls, 26 yards. What do you think about that kid? Is he Does he have a chance to stick around maybe you know throughout the end of the season and next year? Yeah, I think he's going to be an important piece moving forward in the receiving court. I don't know that he's ever going to be like a number one or a number two. I don't know that he is going to be quite quite as um, suddenly as the previous uh, wide receiver with the initials NC. Exactly, yeah. You've already mentioned um, him. But, yeah, yeah, the, 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 the quiet storm himself, Marcus Golson. <laughs> uh, but Callaway is a good player. You know, his receiving staff, they're not going to knock you over, but he, he has a knack for doing the things that guys – who hang around for a long time in New Orleans do well, uh, much like Lance Moore and Willie Steed. He he has a, he does a great job of finding the holes in the zone, finding those shallow routes to get open and get, give Drew Brees a quick release valve. He, he's exactly what the Saints needed this week as a blocker out on the perimeter. He was doing a terrific job blocking at the second level for New Orleans, uh, springing Alvin Kamara out for some big games, helping Latavius Murray uh, get into the open field. Um, he's an effective blocker. He he can bite through his own coverage. Kamara obviously loves the kid uh, because they're both uh, Tennessee alums, uh, go, go Bulls. So I think he's got a bright future in New Orleans. And hopefully he can stay healthy, which is much the story with Deontay Harris, because both of these guys are highly effective returns specialists. The difference on special teams is that Callaway also is a terrific gunner. Um, that, that's how he made his way onto the team to start the season. That's why he was on the active roster back in September was because he was doing such an effective job in the, in the game's third phase. And that's going, if he can continue doing that, if he can remain effective uh, against zone coverage and remain effective as a blocker, he, he's going to be in New Orleans for a long time. And he's exactly the kind of talent that you want to see Jeff Ireland's scouting staff bring into the city. All right, I love it. So we talked earlier about the Saints needing to hit the three-team parlay to have a chance at the number one seed. Well, they're part of the parlay, as we mentioned. So they got to beat the Panthers. A good little division team gave them a hard time earlier in the year. Let's talk about that matchup and the NFC playoff picture coming up next. It's that time again for the line of the week. The inside track to the favorites, the underdogs, and the over-unders. I think I want my money back. Now, here are Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren from USA Today's Sportsbook Wire. 
Hello, I'm Esther McLaren of SportsFlipWire.com and BetFlip and Podcast, joined as always by Jeff Clark, here to break down everything you need to know to bet on the Week 17 Sunday night football game between the Washington football team and Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are one-and-a-half-point home underdogs. They're eliminated from the playoffs. Washington come in one-and-a-half-point favorite. They're looking for a win to secure an NFC East title and a playoff berth. But Jeff, I got to go with the Eagles. I like what we've seen from J1 Hurts. We got quarterback issues in Washington, a lot of other issues as well. J1 Hurts can improve that Eagles team from that loss they took against Washington week one. Yeah, as much as I like to disagree with you, I can here. I'm also on the Eagles plus one and a half. Their team's trending up despite a disappointing 2020 season. Now they turn the keys of the offense over to Jalen Hurts. And you know what they say, misery likes company. Uh, The Philadelphia Eagles have been miserable for most this year since being eliminated from playoff contention. Now they get the end Washington season. I think that's motivation enough for them to come and rain on Washington's possible parade on Sunday night football. So give me the Eagles plus one and a half. You can get Philadelphia plus 100 on the money line as well for a little better value. Go ahead and parlay that with the under 42 and a half minus 105 odds there. So be a low scoring game won by the Eagles. So John, the more I look at this NFC playoff picture and where the Saints kind of fit in. Now we recently saw the Rams lose a game to the New York freaking Jets. Seattle who just beat the Rams this past week is definitely a flawed team, I think. I think the Bucks are still the Bucks. They're kind of heckling Jide a little bit. You got the Bears, the Cardinals, whoever comes out of the NFC East. I mean, besides the Packers and the Saints, I'm not sure how many teams I feel real good about making a deep run in the NFC. And we've talked about Green Bay and New Orleans kind of being a two-team race for that number one seed. And now I'm starting to wonder, is it still a two-team race when we talk about the team that's going to come out of the NFC for the Super Bowl? Like, is there any other team besides Green Bay that gives you pause that that you think could make a run in the NFC? Or do you think it's really Green Bay, Saints, it's kind of chalk? Because it's starting to feel chalky as we get here towards the end of the season, Week 17. Yeah, I think it's fair to say that it's kind of a two-horse race between Green Bay and New Orleans. But at the same time, I mean, Joe Flacco took the uh, the, the Ravens to a freaking Super Bowl not, not, not too long ago. So anything can happen in the postseason. Anybody can get hot. Anybody can pull it off. Um, but at the same time, we, we've seen the, that the numbers bear out how important that first seed is, how important that bye week is. Uh, having to win just two games instead of three is such a swing in your favor. And unfortunately, it really looks like Green Bay is going to pull it off with a win over Chicago this week. But, you know, who knows? Maybe, maybe we get the parlay. Maybe, maybe things uh, go New Orleans way. At any rate, if you're just looking at the possible playoff teams the Saints could face as two seed, that would be – possible Chicago with a win that could be either the Rams or the Cardinals. You know, I, I don't want to see the Rams out of that group the most because the Rams, unlike the Bears, they have a consistently functional offense and they have a great defense. Um, Chicago doesn't have that. Yeah, Drabisky can beat up on some bad teams, but the, the Rams can manufacture points much easier. Um, we, we've seen that over and over and over again. We're going to see if, if how true that is uh, without Goff this week. But I, I, I want no parts of Aaron Donald in the Superdome ever again. I, I don't want that to happen. I don't want to see it. Um, I, I've, I've had my fill of watching Aaron Donald throw Andrew's teeth on his back and then break Drew Brees' hand. Um, I don't want to see that again. Um, yeah, I can't believe you. Yeah, and of those teams, the most favorable matchup might be Arizona. 
just because Tyler Murray has not been the same quarterback since his shoulder injury earlier this season, um, that, that's limited his effectiveness. It's taken away the numbers that DeAndre Hopkins was posting up early this year. Um, that feels like the most winnable matchup to me. But even even then, the Cardinals defense is so creative on passing downs. They got such a an exotic uh, blitz package. They, they can show Drew Brees things that he hasn't seen in a long time. And, you know, he's not as sharp as he, as he used to be. And we could very easily see see the Cardinals come into town, create a couple of lucky turnovers, and all of a sudden the fans are playing from behind and they can't lean on Nino Alvin Camaro the way that they want to. So it'll be interesting to see how, how it all plays out. There's no Joe Flacco hater that's uh, that could stand next to me, John. I, I might be number one on the Joe Flacco hater list. So uh, I appreciated that analogy of saying, you know, look, look at that Ravens and that uh, that run they made. Man, that was out of nowhere. They shouldn't have won that. Yeah, no, I agree with you 100%. So the Saints are going to play the Panthers, right? And this is a game, this is a team that it's kind of tough to gauge. I think the Panthers are kind of an up-and-coming team, but they haven't arrived by any stretch of the imagination. Matt Rule's doing an okay job, but this is a very young team and a lot of a lot of key positions, I would say, for the Panthers. And when I look at the line, Saints are a six-and-a-half-point road favorite in this rematch. My gut feeling, John, is to hop on the six-and-a-half while you have it. While you have the Saints at under seven, I, I would take that. Uh, I would take the Saints and, and give away the points all day long. I think they're going to cover this spread. I, I think you got two teams kind of you got you got New Orleans in a battle trying to secure at least the number two seed and then you got the Panthers getting ready to go home for the rest of the year, right? So I think it's two teams going in different directions. I'd have a hard time seeing Carolina give the Saints too much trouble in this one. I could be wrong. This is the freaking NFL and we saw the Jets beat the Rams and uh, the Bengals beat the Steelers. So, you know, anything can happen. Uh, but what do you think? Yeah, like like you said, anything can happen. And I, I do think that the Panthers can challenge the Saints. It came down to a long missed field goal off of Joey Sly again against the Saints for the for the Panthers to lose that matchup earlier this year. Wasn't that thing and, like 67 yards or something? Like what, they, they kicked like yeah, a real long the record. It would have been the record, but you know, the Saints trolled him. They, they played some footage of him missing his field goal that would have won the last year against the Saints uh, on, the, on the jumbo, on the big screen, and uh, he missed again. So it didn't work out. That's so um, good. They're not going to be able to pull that off again, but, you know, I, I think that it's going to be more challenging than – we may anticipate early on, you know, the Panthers want to go into the offseason with a win. They, they want to have this on their resume. They want to be able to appeal to free agents. They want to prove that what that rule is doing here is working. And they want to show that they can win without Christian McCaffrey. Uh, because so far, they, they've had a tough time of doing that when they're not playing the Washington football team. And, and they'll probably be without uh, run CNC again this week. Uh, that rule said earlier today for Joe Burson at The Athletic that he, he would say it's a no that um, McCaffrey's going to play against the Saints, which is which is good news for New Orleans. Sure. But at the same time, uh, Teddy Dugloves is going to be in, in at quarterback. He is going to do his part. I think the Saints do end up winning just because they've got the better team. They've got more to play for. But I'm not expecting a cakewalk by any means. Yeah, you know, I never trust a quarterback, John, that wears two gloves. Even though I do like Teddy Bridgewater, I do not like the two-glove thing. Tom Brady did that for a while, and then he got rid of the glove. So uh, so you got to get rid of that second glove. Maybe Teddy Bridgewater will uh, learn eventually. Oh, yeah, Teddy two gloves. I like that. Uh, so, I, yeah, so, so, yeah, so we're coming off just that epic game by Kamara, and I don't want this game to be all about Breeze, but I would like to see Breeze have a game, right? Just have a good game. Like, he wasn't great against Kansas City, and there was probably a lot of factors there, but he only completed, what, 44% of his throws against KC. And he wasn't necessarily, I mean, this was the Camara show here against the Vikings. You know, Breeze threw a couple picks. 
Yeah, his quarterback rating was around 80, I think, in the game. So I would just like to see Breeze put the ball on the money a little bit more, look a little healthier, look a little more comfortable, get his swagger going a little bit going into the playoffs. I think that's one thing I'll be watching. Yeah, yeah, you want to see the offense firing on all cylinders, look, looking very uh, well-oiled, all, all, the, all those uh, things. But I'm not too worried um, just because Breeze is not playing without the offensive player of the year and, and Michael Thomas. And that changes the offense in so many ways on so many levels. Um, another storyline to watch that we – Always overlooked is the absence of Josh Hill. Um, he exited left, uh, the Vikings game with a hand injury or a finger injury. We're, we need to keep an eye on his status as, as the injury report updates over the course of the week. See, see if he'll be available. He is someone that Sean Payton has always talked about as being so important to the offense because he can execute so many different blocks, from so many different alignments, different positions. Um, he, he's kind of the glue that holds the, the thing together. And it's important for the Saints to get him back. It's important for the Saints to get Michael Thomas back to be able to run at full efficiency. Uh, along the offensive line, they've done a great job of kind of rotating guys in and out. With those two positions, uh, Michael, Michael Thomas and Josh Hill stand out. I think that's going to do a, a lot to help Drew Brees make, make life easier for him and make the offense uh, click along like he's kind of grown to expect. But at the same time, it's really tough to complain about the offense and complain about Drew Brees after they hung 52 points on someone. I know. I'm grasping at the straws here. They just, yeah, they just, they, <laughs> you know, just put up 50. You know, just hung a 50 spot on the Vikings. I know, I know. But, you know, just for me, I just love to see Brees just look a little more comfortable. I want to make sure he's healthy, I guess. And I, I, I'm rooting for him in this playoffs, uh, John. I want to see him have a good run. But speaking of that, the next time we're going to talk, week 17 will be over. It'll be 2021. We'll be done with 2020. And we'll be talking Saints playoff football. So everything about that statement right there is a good thing to me when I hear it. So uh, looking forward to that, my man. Yeah, it should be a lot of fun. And that's what we set out hoping for um, way, way back when. And it'll be great to get into that next chapter and see what the Saints have in store for us. Beautiful. John, Happy New Year, my man. Thanks, Ryan. Happy New Year to you as well. Uh, we'll see you on the other side. This USA Today Sports Podcast has been presented by USA Today's Sports Media Group and is available in your favorite podcast store. Make sure to subscribe for weekly updates, the latest fantasy picks from Corey Bonini, and the Huddle Podcast, Inside the Weekly Line, with Sportsbook Wire's Jeff Clark and Eston McLaren, and the Bet Slippin' Podcast. We'll see you again next week.